That's a remarkable statement. I believe that if the things that Jesus did for me alone were written down, they'd fill this auditorium. I really believe that. Maybe this whole strata complex. I really, really believe that. And I don't know how many buildings, how many auditoriums, how many stadiums, the things Jesus has done for you, if they were written down, how many auditoriums they'd contain. Because I'm sure they'd be numerous. Let's give Jesus another round of applause here tonight. Thank you, God. Awesome. Awesome. Well, I'm excited to be preaching tonight. So good to be here with you. Welcome to my family. Seriously. Look at you all. You're amazing. I don't think we've all been together since the wedding. So we might have to put some Arabic music on after the service and teach these guys how to dance. What do you think? I mean, some of you practiced at the wedding, but I I think we could do something tonight. Well, let's give them one more round of applause tonight. You guys can take your seats. And uh, thank you, band. Actually, Enoch, I'll just keep you there for a moment. Um, You know, I know they put these messages up on the website at c3silverwater.com. And um, I've got an auntie, she's in hospital. And I know she's gonna, she told me she's gonna listen to it this week. Uh, She couldn't be here tonight, she's gonna listen to it. Um, That's my auntie Sonia, but she's unwell. She's um, just had an operation uh, for cancer, to get cancer taken out of her body. Um, But we're believing with her and we're believing that she's gonna be healed. But I thought, how cool would it be if we just encouraged her as she listens to this during the week? So why don't we stand up for one minute and just believe together for her healing, for a breakthrough for her life. So Father God, come on, let's raise our voices. God, we thank you for Auntie Sonia. We thank you, God, that she is healed by your stripes. God, we thank you that no weapon formed against her will prosper. God, we thank you that you're in that room right now, ministering to her. God, I thank you that you've charged angels with her protection. And God, we believe it. We believe it. We believe it. Sonia, you are healed in Jesus' mighty, beautiful, wonderful, incredible name. And everyone said, Amen. 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 Awesome. Great. You guys can be seated once again. I won't get you up a second time. Get comfortable. Um, But yeah, first time preaching uh, since I've got married. Got my beautiful wife up the front here. And uh, I believe I'm going to preach better than ever because now, you know, once you get married, things just get better, right? I remember when Enoch and Hinny got married, like they came back. And worship just went like that. But thank you, bro. You can uh, get comfortable as well. But, you know, I've got the best wife in the whole world. And uh, not only is she extraordinarily beautiful, but she's extraordinarily, extraordinarily gracious. And um, I just love how she kind of is able to kind of give me pointers um, in a very gentle, gracious kind of way. Thank you, Vicky and Paul. I believe you taught her, taught her all that. But I'll give you an example. So, you know, you move in and you're trying to work things out together and get used to each other's habits. But, you know, she'll come up to me and say, babe, I'm sorry I left the toilet seat down again. (laughs) And I'm like, that's, 
That's a really gracious way of telling me to put the seat down. It's awesome. Anyway, so, all right, we're in the series on Romans and um, Romans chapter 8, and uh, I'm preaching on verses 18 to 27. And um, I'm going to use the Message Bible tonight. So if we can get that scripture up now, I'm going to read it. And Paul says, That's why I don't think there's any comparison between the present hard times and the coming good times. The created world itself can hardly wait for what's coming next. Everything in creation is more or less held back. God reigns it in until both creation and all the creatures are ready and can be released at the same moment into the glorious times ahead. Meanwhile, the joyful anticipation deepens. All around us, we observe a pregnant creation. The difficult times of pain throughout the world are simply birth pangs. But it's not only around us, it's within us. The Spirit of God is arousing us within. We're also feeling the birth pangs. These sterile and barren bodies of ours are yearning for full deliverance. That's why waiting does not diminish us any more than waiting diminishes a pregnant mother. We are enlarged in the waiting. We, of course, don't see what's enlarging us, but the longer we wait, the larger we become and the more joyful our expectancy. So let's give God a hand for that. So... There comes a point in every teenager's life, I know there's quite a few teenagers here, so you probably relate to this, but there comes a point in every teenager's life, and it happened to me at the age of 18, where you just look in the mirror and you think, something's got to change. Like, this is no longer working for you. And it happened to me at the age of 18, and it was me... uh, Actually, no, it happened on a couple of occasions. The first time, I was probably in year 10 or 11, and me and my mates uh, decided that leg hair wasn't fashionable anymore, right? <laughs> Went through a phase where all the guys at school were shaving their legs. And uh, we decided, it was me, Danny, and a few of our mates, that we'd get together on a rooftop in Terrigal and wax our legs. <laughs> and it was, it was a great idea until I tore the first strip off, all of a sudden leg hair wasn't such an issue anymore. The pain was excruciating, but equally excruciating was having to explain to people why I had a bald patch for the next few months. The second time was when I was 18, and looking in the mirror again saying, you've got to do something about that. Like, I was pretty skinny. I was pretty skinny, like my family can testify to that. I'd use the word lanky, but lanky suggests that you're tall as well, but I I wasn't tall. Uh, The definition of lanky is ungracefully thin and tall. I was just ungracefully thin. I I wasn't tall. Um, You know, other words you could put to it were like thin, slender, slim, lean, skinny, spindly, spare, gangling, gangly, scrawny, skeletal, scraggy, size zero, bony, gaunt, raw-boned, like that was me. Um, And I wanted to show you a photo, but Facebook wasn't around then. 
So, man, I have to dig through the archives, and they're probably off-site somewhere, but, I, you know, I'll try and find you one next time. But I was really, really skinny. And, um, I mean, when I wore spandex, I had to wear a belt. Um, sometimes, sometimes I'd put a, nail, a coin on my head, and people would mistake me for a nail. Um, I was so skinny that sometimes friends would come up to me and, and slap me, and they'd get a paper cut. I mean, it had its advantages as well. I was so skinny I could hang glide off a Dorito. That was good. Um, I was so skinny, I used to use chapstick for deodorant. I was so skinny that you could blindfold me with dental floss. But anyway, I desperately needed to get bigger. So I thought... I, I should hit the gym, and I had a gym at home. Uh, Mum and Dad had provided a gym, but, you know, it sitting there wasn't making me bigger. Uh, you know, it hadn't clicked that I actually had to use it. But I thought, I'm not using that gym. Maybe if I join up to a, you know, two-year contract with Fitness First where they charge me a ridiculous amount of money and I'm bound to that contract, maybe then that would force me to work out. So I did. I, um, I joined Fitness First, in the city, and I said, I'll go during uni breaks, and um, I joined up, and they gave me um, a towel, a backpack, and a water bottle, and three free personal training sessions. How good does that feel when you join up to a gym, and they give you all that stuff? I know you've all been there before. Um, and they gave me this personal trainer, and I was like, cool, I'm, I'm, getting, I'm getting into the gym, I've got this personal trainer, he's going to help me. And um, I went to the gym, and I met my personal trainer. Um, I don't actually remember his name, but he was a PT, personal trainer, so I'll just call him Peter, right? PT, Peter. Now, Peter was a former Navy SEAL, and um, he knew what he was talking about. And he, he said that the thing people neglect the most are legs. And he said, you know, lots of the guys, you'll see them at the gym, they work up the top, but they neglect their legs, and they end up with chicken legs. And he said, but... In, in your legs, all the hormones are that actually build the rest of your body. So we're going to work your legs really hard. We're going to work your legs really hard. I said, I trust you, Pete. You're a former Navy SEAL. Let's get to business. Anyway, he worked me pretty hard that day. I remember, like, oh, I was hurting real bad. And I remember how hard he worked me because I had to run to the bathroom afterwards and throw up. Like, that's how hard he worked me. And the next day I woke up and my legs were so sore, I could hardly get out of bed and could barely, barely walk. Uh, it took me about 10 minutes to negotiate like five steps in the house, like just to get downstairs to the kitchen. It took me about half an hour. And that's holding onto the balustrade as well. Um, and I'm like, how am I going to get to uni? And I started calculating how many steps there were between home and uni, because I had to get to uni that day, and I was seriously doubting whether I'd be able to negotiate the stairs between home and uni. But uni was in Haymarket, just near the entertainment center, and I, I came up with a genius idea. I said, oh, rather than catching a train to Central and walking the 20-minute walk to Central, because I wouldn't be able to do that, I remembered that they've got the monorail, and the monorail goes to, to Haymarket, so I said, I'll just catch the train to Town Hall, and I'll get on the monorail, 
and um, I'll catch it down to uni. What a brilliant idea. And that's what I did. And I got on the monorail. I think it was, you know, my first time since I was a child. And, you know, I paid a real ridiculous amount. But I was like, genius. You know, like, I've got it all worked out. Sydney's transport is awesome. And then I got up. And um, I don't know why they tore that thing down, by the way. But anyway, that's another issue. <laughs> I got there. But what I didn't realize was that there were like 30 steps from the monorail station down to Haymarket. So I ended up missing class that day. I just didn't make it. <laughs> so it wasn't a very good start to my weight gain, bulk up, want to be a muscle merry journey. I called up Peter and I, and I cancelled the lesson like a couple of days later. I said, Pete, mate, there's no way I can work out. I'm in so much pain. He said, yeah, mate, no worries. Just, you know, make sure you stretch, get the blood pumping. It'll help you heal. I said, awesome. Anyway, I went in there for the third, for the third session and after the third session, Peter, he says, Dorian, come with me. And I'm like, all right. And um, he walks over to this wall in fitness first and he pushes it. And this invisible door opens. And I'm like, wow, what's going on here? Anyway, I walk inside with Peter. And it's just this sterile room. There's a table and some chairs. And he goes, take a seat, mate. And um, I sit down. And... Um, he doesn't look happy, and um, I'm just kind of looking around. He's given me these ones. And I'm just kind of looking around, trying to remember which wall you push to get out <laughs> in case I need to make an emergency exit. I'm looking around, see if there are security cameras, because I want whatever's going to unfold to be captured. Um, he's looking at me like that, and I'm like, man, I could have... I could have walked down 30 stairs in that time. <laughs> and then he starts to talk and he says, Dorian, mate, look, I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. I'm going to be honest with you. He goes, you can achieve what you want in six weeks or you can achieve what you want in six months or a year. He goes, you want to you, you bulk up, you want to you put mass on, you want to you gain some weight. Look, you can achieve it in six weeks or you can... Achieve it in six months. It's up to you. And, you know, I started asking more questions because I kind of got where he was going with this. I think, you know, I said, Pete, you know, I'm guessing, you know, you want to sell me some product. You want to sell me some steroids or something like that. And he's like, yeah. And he goes, you know, I work in a gym. I know people. I can get you, I can get you what you need. And I just started asking him questions. I said, you know, Pete, I've just heard bad things about them. You know, they're bad for your liver. Um, you know, they give you acne. Um, they weaken your heart muscles, all that stuff. I said, Pete, the only side effect I'm actually interested in is the hair loss. That's, I, I, take, I take steroids. Maybe it'll deal with the, the, the hair loss. But, um, but he was looking at me seriously like, it's up to you. And... He was, Pete, it's like six months or six weeks. Which one do you want? And I get what Pete was doing. He's like, he's playing on my weight hate. He knows that as a human being, I hate to wait. He's tugging at that place in my heart that says, you know what? You don't like to wait. You don't want to wait for that thing to happen. You don't want to wait for the weight gain. You don't want to wait for the muscles to grow. You want it now. You want it now. 
And he was playing on my weight hate, because we all hate to wait, don't we? Like, how much do you hate waiting in traffic? How much do you hate waiting in line? It's awful. It irritates us. And Pete turned from PT to salesman in a moment, and he knew what he was doing. He'd seen people time and time again give up because they couldn't wait to see the results, or they couldn't wait long enough to see the results they wanted. And people often take steroids because they want to see the results now. They don't want to wait to see the results. They want it now. And he knew that I had to wait. And he knew that he could use my weight hate against me. But really what he was asking me was, why wait? Like, why? If you don't have to wait, why wait? And that's something the world tells us as well. Like, why wait? You can have it now. If you can't afford it, just get credit. If you're desperate for a partner, just jump on Tinder. You can have it now. You can even get a GPS to within a few meters of you. You don't have to wait for anything anymore. He knows that I'm not okay with the delay. He knows that people want it now. Yesterday I was at UWS working on this message and the Wi-Fi went down. And you should have seen it. The place turned into chaos. Everyone's just walking around, losing their mind, like, oh no, what are we going to do? How's, you know, what? We have to wait. We have to wait for Wi-Fi. Quick, get on your phones, mobile tether, do whatever you need, get, get me back online. You know, we're so used to, in today's society, not waiting for anything. And the pace of life has sped up so much that we can't handle waiting anymore. I was reading a psychologist, um, or they did some study where... It, it was determined that in the last, or since 1990, the pace at which people walk has, in major cities around the world has sped up 10%. They measured how quick people walk, and it's sped up 10% in the last, I don't know, 25 years. But we're in a hurry. We're in a hurry. So how do we wait for things in a world that doesn't wait for anything? How do we wait on God in a world that doesn't wait for anything? But the other thing that Peter was doing, he was, he was echoing what the world thinks or what the world says. See, what he was echoing was, you can get enlarged without waiting. You can get big within six weeks and you don't have to wait. You can get greater without doing any time in the waiting room. And often what the world says and what God says are in complete contradiction and they're in conflict because the world says you can get enlarged without waiting and you can get greater without doing time in the waiting room. But what God says is you get enlarged through waiting. You get enlarged in the waiting room. Enlargement isn't on the other side of the waiting room. Enlargement happens when you're in the middle of the waiting room. Let's give God a hand here tonight. And if you're walking with God, you'll find yourself in a waiting room sooner or later. You will. You will. And maybe you find yourself in a waiting room right now. 
Maybe you're waiting for a job. Maybe you're waiting for an answer. Maybe you're waiting for a healing. Maybe you're waiting for a person's heart to change. Maybe you're waiting for your relationship to get better. Maybe you're waiting for your dream to come true. Maybe you're waiting for an answer from God. I don't know what it is you're waiting for, but I know we're all waiting for something. And it gets difficult. The pressure comes on in the waiting room because you're clock watching and you're in a hurry and there's pressures and you want it now. But I want to give us some points tonight to help us when we're in the waiting room. I've got five or six points. I don't know how many I'll get to. I've got 20 minutes. I think I can get through all of them, all right? You help me. If I say something good, clap, encourage me because I need it. So the first point I want to make tonight is that God avoids roids. <laughs> the thing about roids is you plant and you reap in the same season. You plant and then you just stand there and you reap. But that completely goes against God's principles. Because God's principles, God has a kingdom principle and that is Sowing and reaping. But the sowing and the reaping happen in different seasons. You never sow and reap in the same season. With God, you always reap in a different season that you sowed in. Steroids are even worse because you can reap without even sowing. Like normal muscle growth is you reap, you go to the gym every day, you eat well, you go, you're consistent, you're motivated, you go week after week, and then in six months or a year, as Pete was telling me, then you reap. Steroids, you just, you just reap without sowing. God avoids roids. He's not into roids. He's not into, into growth that can't be sustained. He's not insta into instant gratification. He's all about delayed gratification. Yeah, give God a hand. Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 1 to 5. For everything there is a season, a time for every activity under heaven, a time to be born and a time to die, a, plan to plant, a time to plant and a time to harvest. They're different times. They never happen at the same time. It's a different season. So remember, if you're waiting, if you've been sowing, if you've been sowing, if you've been sowing, just wait. The season where you will reap is coming. The season where you will reap, it's on its way. It's coming. It might not be while you're still sowing, but it's coming. It's coming. It's coming. I don't plant a seed and expect to wake up the next day and uh, see a plant. We know that. We're okay with that. But sometimes with God... We, we're not. Sometimes with God, we're like, oh, God, I've sowed a seed. Where's, where's the reward? Uh, we're okay with the, with the plant that didn't grow overnight, but we expect God to move overnight. The second thing is, the second point I want to make, so that one was God avoids roids. The second one is God's number one priority is to build my faith, not answer my prayer. God wants to build my faith not answer my prayer. That's, that's his priority. The beautiful thing about Romans is Paul talks and says that we are saved by grace through 
faith. We are saved by grace through faith. We have salvation by grace, not by anything that we've done, but because God loved us so much, uh, not because we worked hard, not because we prayed every day, but God gave us salvation by His grace. It's His unmerited favor. He loved us. He forgave us just because of how great He is, not because of how great we are. We're saved by grace, and it's through faith. We're saved by grace through faith. So faith, faith is the ticket. See how it says through faith? We are saved by grace, but we're saved through faith. Like we can't be saved without faith. It it doesn't happen. The Bible's very clear about that. To get saved, to have salvation, you get it through faith, and faith in Jesus Christ alone. Faith is precious to God. It says in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 7. He says, These trials will show you that your faith is genuine. It is being tested as fire tests and purifies gold. Through your faith, though your faith is far more precious than mere gold. Your faith is far more precious than mere gold because God knows you need your faith to be saved. God knows that. God will never do anything to diminish your faith. He wants this to be there. He wants it to be consistent. He wants it to grow because it's your ticket to this. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. Faith, substance of things hoped for. For faith is a substance of things hoped for. So if God gave you everything you wanted right now, you wouldn't be hoping for anything. You wouldn't be hoping for anything. So you'd have no substance because you'd have everything you've ever hoped for. And if you don't have substance of things hoped for, then you don't have faith. So God wants to keep you hoping for stuff because it's the substance of faith. He wants to keep you hoping for stuff. If we've got everything, our faith is of no substance because we have nothing to hope for. And God will never give you anything that's going to diminish your faith. He'll always give you things at the right time when it's going to expand your faith, not diminish it. God doesn't want you to treat him like a vending machine. He's not a vending machine. We don't go up to him and say, God, I want this and I want it now. And he says, sure, I'll just drop it down to you. That's not how he works. He's interested in your salvation. He's interested in your faith. He's interested in keeping keeping you hopeful about stuff. And that's why sometimes he delays an answer. He's trying to increase your faith for that thing. He wants you to believe for it. He wants you to believe for it. A brilliant, brilliant example of this is Abraham. In Romans chapter 4, verse 19 to 20, it says, Abraham, who's been waiting, he's 100 years old. God told him, you're going to have a son. You're going to be the father of many nations. Sure, 25 years later, Abraham is 100 years old, 
The son hasn't come. His wife is, I don't know how old. She's ancient as well. The chances of her having kids are like zero biologically. And Abraham, the Bible says, Romans chapter 4, verse 19, and Abraham's faith did not weaken, even though at about 100 years of age, he figured his body was as good as dead, and so was Sarah's womb. Abraham never wavered in believing God's promise. In faith, in fact, his faith grew stronger, and in this, he brought glory to God. How amazing is that? The older he got, the more faith he got. The older he got, the more faith he got. That's amazing. Like, imagine this chart, like where this is age, and this is faith, and Abraham, the older he got, so this is, he's born, and this is him at 100, and the older he got, the older he got, his faith increased for that thing. That's remarkable. Because what we're used to is the older we get, faith, age, the older we get, if something hasn't happened, we can be really faithful about it and hoping for it at age 25. But if I get to 60 and it hasn't happened yet, my faith starts to slip. My faith starts to slip as I get older if that thing hasn't happened. But no, God is calling us for our faith to grow. God is calling you to have faith. He wants your faith to grow. So sometimes that thing is delayed because he's trying to grow your faith. The third point is God is preparing me for his blessing. Sometimes I'm still in the waiting room because God is preparing me. God wants to answer your prayer, but he wants you to be ready. He doesn't want to give you something you can't handle. He doesn't want to give you something you're not ready. And God is definitely more interested in building your character than he is in answering your prayer. The world says, take roids and you'll get bigger on the outside. God's not interested in your outside and he's not interested in your appearance or what it looks like on the outside. God is interested in growing you from the inside out. Romans chapter 5, verse 3 says, We can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials, for we know that they help us develop endurance, and endurance develops strength of character, and character strengthens our confidence and hope of salvation. God wants us to build our character. He wants me to have the discipline of going to the gym. He wants me to be disciplined. He wants me to be motivated. He wants me to be consistent, because those traits are important. He can't use me unless I've got those traits. I, I can't win people for God. I can't serve God unless I've got those traits. So God wants me to have them. So he's keeping me waiting. He's waiting to bless me until I've got those things in place. And a good example of that is like marriage. Like I'm so glad, even though I was, I guess, hoping for it in my early 20s, I'm so glad God didn't give me like Rose or my wife Earlier on in my 20s, I'm telling you, I wasn't ready for it. I really wasn't ready for it. And I would have stuffed it up big time. I'm so glad God was holding that thing back. I needed time. I needed to get my character right. I needed to get things in place. And God has got you in the waiting room because he's preparing you. He's preparing to bless you. He wants 
that blessing for you. He's got it. And if he's got it for you, no one can take it away. But he's just waiting for you to be ready. And he'll make you ready. That's the beautiful thing about it. His Holy Spirit will make you ready. So God is preparing you for a blessing. The next one is, you're in a battle. God, sometimes you haven't got what you want because you're in a battle. There's a battle that you can't see going on around you, and you're in the middle of it. The Bible says we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but we against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of weakness, wickedness in the heavenly places. There's, an, there's a battle going on that you don't see. And every time you send up a prayer, there's a war over that prayer. There's contention between heaven and hell about every prayer you send up. And I'll give you an example of this in Daniel chapter 10, verse 11 to 13. This is Daniel, and he says, And the man said to me, Daniel, you are very precious to God. So listen carefully to what I have to say to you. Stand up, for I've been sent to you. This is the angel speaking to Daniel. And Daniel says, when he said this to me, I stood up and I was trembling. And Daniel said, oh, then the angel said to Daniel, Daniel, don't be afraid. Since the first day you began to pray for understanding and to humble yourself before your God, your request has been heard in heaven. So let's get that straight. Whenever you make a request, it's heard in heaven. Every request you've made has been heard in heaven. I have come in answer to your prayer, but for 21 days, the spirit prince of the kingdom of Persia blocked my way. Then Michael, one of the archangels, came to help me, and I left him there with the spirit prince of the kingdom of Persia. Doesn't that scripture blow your mind? That you send up a prayer and it's answered, but there's actually a spiritual war going on. God sent angels in answer to your prayer, and they are battling the forces of darkness. They are battling, and they are battling, and that's why we got to keep praying. When you send up a prayer, it doesn't just go get filed away in some filing cabinet in heaven. No, it's there. It's being answered. But there's a war over it. There's real contention over it between heaven and hell. They're warring over it, this scripture shows us. So I want to encourage you, keep praying. Keep praying. Keep cheering those angels on. Because they're fighting for you. They're there battling for you. You've got that answer. It's coming. It might be delayed. It's going to come. It might be delayed. They're going to win out. They're going to win out. They may... That's, Dark force might be blocking their way, but that dark force has got to submit to the name of Jesus. That prayer will be answered in Jesus' mighty name. So remember, you're in a battle. When you're in the waiting room, remember you're in a battle. The next one is, remember I'm in good company. Anyone who's ever done anything great for God has sat in that waiting room. They've sat in that waiting room, and they've waited for God to prepare them. They've waited for God to speak to them. They've prayed. They've warred. They've battled. Those, they've cheered those angels 
on. Abraham, as I said earlier, he waited 25 years for that son. Joseph waited 13 years in jail. Moses, 40 years in the wilderness. David was anointed to be king. Spent the next 15 years running from the sword. They were trying to kill him for 15 years. Pretty sure he'd be standing there going, whoa, what's going on in this waiting room? I'm getting pretty familiar with this waiting room. I've been in it for 15 years. You anointed me to be the next king of Israel, God. It's been 15 years. 15 years. Noah waited 120 years before he saw rain. What are you doing, Noah? Building an ark. What's the ark for? When the rain comes. What's rain? <laughs> you're a loony, Noah. But you've got to remember that you're in good company. People have gone before you. They've waited. God's used them in a mighty, mighty way. He's answered their prayers. So remember, you're in good company. And you've got people around you who are also in the waiting room. And that's why you can encourage each other. We can build each other up and support each other when we're in that waiting room. Awesome. And the last one, and I'll get the band to come. It's remember that God keeps his promises. Remember that God keeps his promises. It might look like it's over. It might look dead. Maybe God's promised you something and you're looking at it now. And not only has time elapsed and years and years have passed, but maybe you're looking at it and you're saying, it's dead. It's dead. It's impossible to happen. I'm so glad that the Bible says that nothing is impossible with God. Nothing is impossible with God. Think about Lazarus. Mary... And Martha, send word to Jesus and they say, hey, Jesus, Lazarus, the guy that you love, he's one of your best friends, he's dying. Jesus was only like six or seven Ks away. He could have walked there easily. A couple of days later, Jesus still hasn't shown up. Lazarus is dead. And I bet Mary and Martha were sitting there going, wow. Wow. This is a pretty sad waiting room. It looks like we'll be in this waiting room forever because the God who could have saved him didn't come. He didn't come and Lazarus is dead. We just buried him in the tomb. He's in the tomb. That promise is dead. Jesus came late on purpose to show us that he will always fulfill his promise. Even if it's buried, even if it's behind a stone, even if it's wrapped in grave cloths, even if it has no heartbeat, nothing is impossible with God. And he will always keep his promises. Come on, let's give Jesus a hand here tonight. Habakkuk. Chapter 2, verse 3 says, At the time I have decided, my words will come true. You can trust what I say about the future. It may take a long time, but keep on waiting. It will 
happen. It may take a long time, but it will happen. That thing you've been believing for, that thing you've been warring for, that thing you've been worried about, it may take a long time, but it will happen, says the Lord our God. It will happen. It will happen. It will happen. Got a bamboo tree over there. I just saw it outside. You know the funny thing about bamboo trees is there's this species of bamboo. It's called the giant bamboo. And you water it and you fertilize it every single day. John and Jana, you just came back from China. You can probably uh, correct me if I'm wrong about this. But you water it and you fertilize it every single day. And for four years, nothing happens. You sow and you sow and you sow. For four years, you water, you sow, you fertilize for four years and nothing. Nothing happens. It looks the same. And then suddenly, it's got this shell, it's got this seed that is so thick, it takes four years for the seed to break into the soil. It takes four years. And then suddenly, in the fourth year, it sprouts. But it doesn't sprout like a normal plant. It grows a meter every day. So you can literally sit there and watch it grow before your eyes. Within a month, it'll grow 30 meters. It'll grow a meter a day. Four years, nothing. Four years waiting. Four years praying. Four years sowing. Four years fertilizing. Four years watering. Four years praying. Four years watering. Four years fertilizing. Just waiting, waiting, and suddenly, boom an answer there's an answer that's God it may take a long time but it will happen will happen I want us to stand to our feet I'm going to ask the band to sing maybe that second song we were singing tonight Why don't we give Jesus a hand while the band's getting ready. Take it, take it out. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Come to the altar. Oh, come to the altar. The Father's arms are open wide. Forgiveness was bought with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Oh, come to the altar. The Father's arms are open wide. Forgiveness was bought with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Oh, come to the altar. 
tonight's the night tonight I need to I need to break through into that soil I need to break into God's soil I need that relationship with Jesus and maybe you don't know who Jesus is or maybe you used to know him and you've fallen away or drifted away and you don't feel like you know him right now oh my goodness he is standing right here with open arms ready to take you into his arms he wants to answer your prayers. He wants to bless you. So if there's anyone here right now and you want to make your peace with God, I'm going to ask you a question. If you want to respond to that, just raise your hand real quick. I'll see it. I just want to acknowledge it. Then I'll pray with you. Is there anyone here on the count of three? Just give me a quick wave. One, two, three. Awesome. I see your hand. Who else is there tonight? Give me a quick wave. Over there, my friend, awesome. Come on, who else is there? Give me a quick wave. It's the best decision you'll ever make in your life. It's not religion, it's relationship. Is there anyone else here tonight? 
Awesome. Let's give God a hand. Let's give God a hand. Well, my friends, I'm over time, but I'm believing someone's seen you and we'll find you after the service and have a chat with you. But congratulations. It's an awesome decision you've made. Can we thank Jesus one more time here tonight? Amen. Awesome. Can we thank Dorian for an incredible word? Amazing. He's done the hard yards. Amazing man of God. Hey, church, let me pray for you before we close here tonight. Father God, I just thank you for every life in this place, God. I thank you, Father, that you see every person, that you bless every person, that you reach every need, Father God, and that this word that went forth tonight will do exactly what you need it to do. May we all, Father God, may we all find your presence in the waiting room. In Jesus' mighty name, everybody said, amen, amen. Hey, church, come to the hub, hang out. We love you. We'll see you in Connect Groups and see you next Sunday. Yeah.